0: Let's go
1: and welcome back to another episode of N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. joining us is games editor, Mark Kalaroff. Can't tell me you don't like bankruptcy until you've tried it. I cannot wait to see what that is a reference to. Uh, also with us is indie games editor, Campbell Gill. I've tried it. I don't like it. <laughs> well, at least you're speaking from experience. Uh, uh, so, of course... This is uh, all in relation to, uh, you know, a recent earnings call from Nintendo. But Mark, I am genuinely curious. What, what, what are we, what are we talking about exactly when we talk about, uh, what are we talking about when we talk about bankruptcy? Uh, well, just bankruptcy in general.
2: I there was no particular reference, but you know, I just thought I'd bring it up. Well, yeah, what yeah. a lovely uh,
1: topic
0: <laughs> to start a show with. How about <laughs> well, bankruptcy? It's, poverty. Well, listen,
1: I, I clearly. This is all going to tie back to Nintendo had another earnings report call that uh, we are, you know, we, we've gathered some information from lately. And uh, I don't think, I think it's safe it's to all say. positive. I was going to say, I think it's safe to say that Nintendo <laughs> is not going to be declaring bankruptcy anytime soon. Uh, I think the there's a, there's a lot of, of course, since it was an earnings call, a lot of numbers in this report here. I think the biggest, probably the most eye-catching stuff is that... Um, The Switch is, like, we've said this before, and it's been reported before. The Switch is, like, well on track to surpass the Wii uh, at this point. And I think after this recent earnings report call, it's even clearer than ever. Uh, What what stuck out to you guys from from any of this news?
2: Mario Kart. It's now the highest-selling racing game of all time. Or Mario Kart 8, I should say, because before it belonged to Mario Kart Wii.
1: Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Now it's we're specifically talking about Mario Kart Deluxe, right?
2: Yes, I believe so. The Switch version. I don't think it's combined. It should just be the Switch version.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. Yeah, that's pretty astounding when you when you consider just you know the the lifespan of the Wii and uh, you know versus the. (laughs) <laughs> the, the much smaller uh, amount of time that it's been since the Switch has been out. So, I don't <laughs> know. It, it's it's pretty incredible. And there, there was another another one that jumped out, too, um, as we were talking about this before we started recording. 92 million uh, Switches sold so far. And uh, the Wii is at 101 million pieces of hardware sold. So... I don't know. Do you think that? Do you think the switch is going to hit a hundred million by the next? I don't know. Should we say by twenty twenty two or by? I don't know. By like the next quarter.
2: By the next, you know, hol- next quarter holiday yeah. season.
0: At the very least, will be well past that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure by the middle of next year, it will be well past the yeah. Wii's lifetime 100 sales. Million. Yeah. Absolutely. The thing that really stuck out to me on that note from these this earnings report is if you go onto Nintendo's Japanese website and you look at their current sales figures for the Switch, it also shows has little tabs for other consoles. So if you compare the Switch figures to the, you know, best-selling games on the Wii U, it's a night and day picture, especially considering how there's the parallels. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a best-selling game on Switch, it was also the best-selling game on Wii U. And mm. on Wii U It sold 8.45 million units. (laughs) That is like a quarter, a fifth of what the Switch version has sold, which I think is absolutely insane that a seven-year-old game is still consistently topping the charts all around the world and just selling on a nonstop basis. The way Nintendo has turned around, you know, this Mm -hmm. same narrative plays out every time they release new sales numbers, but the way they've turned around since the Wii U, it never ceases to amaze me, especially when you make that comparison
2: for mario kart i believe it because not only is mario kart 8 just in general i mean deluxe is you know a fantastic reiteration of the original sure. but i mean it's mario kart and when you have a high selling console you got a high selling mario kart because everyone cool. loves mario kart and it's even it's going to be the black friday game again i was going to say gonna yeah. I, I think, yeah
1: i think i think uh I can't remember if it was last time we had Rick on or a couple times ago, but Rick mentioned that like yeah, it's it's one of the few games that's consistently bundled with the Switch, which is part of why it's always such a high seller. But yeah, this year again, it's it's going to mm-hmm. be the the Black Friday bundle uh, included uh, with the Switch. So of course, it, it makes a lot of sense that that game would be sold even more. It's also just one
2: of the most accessible games on Switch. I mean, anyone can play yeah. Mario Kart. It's literally, I mean, with the accessibility options now, you could literally play it with. Two fingers, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's also... <laughs> That's, That's the thing. a great point. I've always <laughs> wanted
0: to do that, play Mario Kart with two fingers. <laughs> Three is too many. Two is perfect. But oh, there you go. on the other hand, I also think that Mario Kart is such a perfect fit for Switch because it demonstrates what makes the Switch such an exceptional portable console. The fact that right. you can have local multiplayer easily with a portable device you don't have to worry about wire cables or wireless connection or all that kind of stuff you can just snap off the joy cons and you can play with your buddy play with your friends it's really an excellent demonstration of the switch's value proposition that holds true back in 2017 obviously it's still working today
2: (laughs) and it's also one of those games where i feel like it's the one game no one really complains about about the online like i know Mm, a lot of people have mixed opinions about how the online functions and you know lag in matches but I've never had a problem with Mario Kart 8. It's the one game where I've literally never encountered a single problem so far.
0: That's an excellent point. Yeah, I've heard so many people complain about Smash. I hate the Smash online, you know, but uh, never had any problems with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's something about just the structure of the game that's easier to process online. I'm not sure, but that's definitely a great point about what makes it so much easier to play (laughs) than other online games.
1: It's, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's who? It's a mystery. <laughs> like I would, I would love. <laughs> truthfully, I would love one of these days. Uh, maybe one of you guys will report on this in the future. Who knows? Like the the, the infrastructure and like the history of Nintendo's online service. You know what I mean? Like in, in like five years, you know, when we when we're all on our Switch Pros or Switch Two or whatever it is, I would love to somebody to do like a deep dive of like why why what's the deal with Nintendo's online just the infrastructure of it like why is it so spotty why is it so perfect for some games and miserable in others like what's what's the deal with that any um, journalist
0: who could uncover that story deserves all the all the awards the <laughs> all prize, the praise yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> concerning how secretive Nintendo is how resistant to change i don't think that story is ever coming out but
1: i would love it if it ever could if anybody well, ever could again it out. is yet another task we're bestowing upon you, Campbell, that, since you are embedded at Nintendo of America don't currently. Don't blow my cover, man. You're in the walls. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta find out for us, like, what's what's going on That's with true, that. That's true. My tactical espionage mission.
2: <laughs> You've moved out of the box because Metal Gear Solid 3D is not available right now on the 3 S E shop. <laughs> yeah, can cool. kick me out. Do you know about the story?
1: I did hear about this. Well, it's funny. Yeah. I... I uh, I get hate that say, game I, on Switch. I, I, was <laughs> I was gonna say I put gonna it on say, Switch. Yeah. I, I remember. I think. I think I saw you tweet about this, Mark. That they, they they pulled. They pulled. Is it Metal Gear Solid two and three, or just three? Well, typically two
2: is bundled. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but typically two and three were being bundled together on most right. platforms because the HD collection and that. But Metal Gear Solid three is on 3DS. Really, really interesting port. Maybe we'll talk about it one day since it utilizes um, a different type of control scheme from the original. But yeah, there's oh, right. archival footage in it from, uh, during from, the Kennedy presidency. History. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of historical archive in it. And apparently Konami did, they just didn't renew the rights to some of the, uh, the footage that they had. So they're currently doing that to get everything back up. But I Hilarious. think people might be, uh, over, you know. Out of control about the problem. <laughs> but I mean, It's just one, of, it's just one I, of those. I highly doubt they're disappearing. Yeah, but
1: optimistically, yeah, it's just kind of one of those weird flukes. Yeah.
0: As somebody who mm-hmm. hasn't actually played any of the Metal Gear games, I would love to hold on sure. to hope. Well, I would like to, but I don't have a PS3. Um, and <laughs> I would like to think, buy it on 3DS, Campbell. It's my 3DS bad. is very dusty and old. I don't want to deal with that <laughs> thing anymore. Why play a 3DS when you have a Switch, man? Yeah, like, I, yeah I, I feel true. that. I feel all that is core. to say, I wish that this is a sign that they're making a, a new collection. I would love that. Yeah. But it, I, this I, being I, Konami, I, I doubt
2: Switch. it. Let yeah, me buy my seventh copy of Snake Eater. Let me buy yeah. my first copy, please. <laughs> Pretty please.
1: Right? Uh, well, it's funny. It does... It's an interesting, uh, not a counterpoint, but it's an interesting kind of companion to talk about. Like Nintendo, obviously, on this earnings call is, of course, very concerned about, like, not concerned, but you know, they're talking a lot about, like, all right, well, the future of the Switch, da 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 da. Like, here, here's what it could mean. Here's what, here's what we want to expand. Here are franchises we want to continue to talk about. Uh, of course, <laughs> they're not going to mention like a, a niche, Konami uh, series during this this earnings call. But it is. Uh, what do you think about some of the stuff that they did talk about wanting to do, like future film projects or like any anything like that?
2: Metroid movie, please. Zelda anime, please. Yeah, I mean, Zelda anime would be fantastic. I don't know. I feel like Metroid would work just really well as an action movie. I
0: mean, it definitely Maybe. would. Well, I think it would be great. But the question that I have is, how would you nail that same level of atmosphere? in a movie form right because a lot of what makes metroid special is as you're playing through it that sense of isolation emerges naturally it's the kind of thing that is really tied to the medium of a video mm-hmm. game so i don't really yeah, know
2: how got, that could be captured the in for movie you. Form. A Okay, a lot of close-ups lots of claustrophobic shots. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because let let's get as many of them in there.
1: Just cuz well, you know, like that Super
0: it, Metroid didn't have any of those close-ups and it was mm-hmm. still isolated. so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well,
1: it, it's it's uh, cuz they, they talked to I don't know if this was in this specific earnings call, but I, they talked a lot about like, "Oh, there's going to be like a <laughs> like an NCU kind of thing, you know. We've got a Mario movie in the works. They talked about a Donkey Kong movie in the works. I don't know if I don't know if Metroid quite fits into that vibe that they're going for, you know? Because it seems like they're trying to do, like, the, you know, the the animated comedy kind of thing, right? I mean, obviously we don't know what these movies are going to look like uh, because they're still somewhat down the line. But it seems as though, Mm -hmm. you know, you're casting someone like Seth Rogen. You're casting someone like Jack Black to do the voices (laughs) of these movies. Let's not even talk about Chris Pratt. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like they're going for a specific kind of vibe and tone, at least with the casting. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know that, like, a Metroid... Film. Listen, I I would love to see like imagine like a Metroid directed by you know Denis Villeneuve, like in the style of a do you know what I mean? In the style of like Arrival or Dune, where it's just like this really mm-hmm. gnarly like gigantic shots. You get to see how small Samus is in comparison to you know whatever isolated planet she's on. Like mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Let's Hope get let's don't... get
2: Danny DeVito to voice Ridley. I think that'll
1: be. Oh <laughs> So that would clash with the thing I'm trying to set up here, but I, you know, listen, he could do it. He's good. Yeah, but that's opened um, up so
0: many possibilities in my view for kind of branching out from the family-friendly, big blockbuster aesthetic. That's what I'm Here's saying. Here's the thing yeah. that I'm thinking now: mm-hmm. this cursed idea, or maybe it's blessed. I don't know. But I don't want to fan a, cast, but not a Cumberbatch as
2: Ridley. I think. Oh, that would be that excellent. Would be perfect. But no. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he nailed Smog. If he can do Smog, like he can definitely d- do Ridley. Oh no. Hey okay. sorry, oh, can't
1: that. that alone. Hear me
0: out though. Uh, okay. An earthbound stop motion movie directed oh, yes. by Wes Anderson. Oh. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I don't know. I'm oddly excited about that idea, just because I think that could really match the quirkiness of that aesthetic. I mean, it will never, ever happen, obviously, unless Nintendo does a 180 and suddenly remembers (laughs) that Mother is a franchise that exists and that millions of people love. But if they ever do, if it ever gets a Metroid Dread-style revival, you know, I think that would be an incredible kind of artsy funky new approach to take with it so that's my that's my pipe dream now at this point i'm gonna try and whisper that over to doug maybe
2: i'll put it on the news call while we're out of here if you're listening and you've always wanted earthbound plushes and you want a plush of Ness, like all the main characters and like a doll look go look it up they're making them but they don't know if there's enough demand for them so just go send an email to shigatosti (laughs) Oh <laughs> my God! Shige, what is his name? Shigasato Itoi. Yeah, toys Sano- toys. yeah, 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 yeah. E toys. Send it to his company an email saying we want this, and send them the picture of it, and that's it.
1: That, okay. Yeah, I'm right. doing that right now. <laughs> that's a, that's an amazing idea. Um, so I don't know. It's a, it's like obviously we're not going to speculate too much on the on the the future of Nintendo. What's the, what's the joke we were saying before before we started recording? Like, oh, they're going to make a new console in the next. Eighty years or seventy-nine years, yeah. Yeah. Like seventy-eight 79, years, seventy-eight, 78 mm-hmm. years mark, seventy-eight like, to be specific. like. Of course, of course, Nintendo's going to keep. Expert, Is going to keep making consoles. Like obviously, uh, I don't think there's any great mystery there. Well, I think that it, it is interesting that they seem very insistent on saying like, no, no, no. This is the middle of the Switch's life cycle. Like, they've said that. More than one time now. They've said that for, like, the past three or four right, sales which calls is, now. Which is interesting to me, because, like...
2: Well, to be fair, Cameron, let's be fair. They said the 3DS was going to be the third pillar to their current strategy between mobile Switch and 3DS. And mm-hmm. look how long that one lasted.
1: Right.
0: Well, you see, I think what their, their strategy was there was, like, well, the Switch flops, we know the 3DS will still work. But then as soon as the Switch came out, as I just showed a few minutes ago nobody cares about the 3ds after the switch so you know the sales dropped off and then they realized it wasn't viable anymore so i feel like that's kind Mm -hmm. of an approach they're taking with switch now where they realize that they've got Mm -hmm. a cash cow at this point not only is it selling millions and millions and millions of units it's already sold 90 million units you know only five years four years into its life cycle really four and a half which is like earlier than other platforms at this point in their life cycles, that they've reached this sales figure. So, you know, the future looks bright. I don't think they want to cut it off at this point. I th- I feel like at this at this time, the thing that's more likely is more iterations, more styles, like more approaches, like the Switch OLED, like the. The switch light you know rather than a full-on new different approach i feel like they've learned from the past that they don't need to completely reinvent the wheel every single time instead this is what works not only is the system itself selling well but it's you know as we were talking about before the show started the i think it's broken the record for the system with the most 10 million plus exclusive games on it yes so you know why would they ever turn that down why would they move past it so i think that's why they're so insistent on saying we're only halfway through it you know we're not going to stop anytime soon you know we're going to hold on to this fortune as much as
1: we can yeah i uh I, clearly the strategy is working so like more, more power to them, i guess yeah i think i don't know is there anything else we gotta we gotta say about uh about this earnings call it's it's one of those things where it's sort of confirming a bunch of stuff we already know and have said in the past of like yep Nintendo's doing pretty good this this generation, and guess what? They're going to continue to do so. It's like, it's not shocking news, but it is interesting to see kind of the hard data to back it up,
2: you know? I will say there's one thing I found uh, really interesting on the report, which is for new Pokemon Snap. First of all, it's doing really good. It's at like 2.5 million units. But they're not counting Japanese sales in the number. Huh. Huh. And Gosh. it doesn't say... There's no details like... I tried looking it up. There's no details why. But well, I just found that really interesting. Do that they, they not, excluded do they not count
0: Japan. Japanese sales for any other platforms? Or any other games?
2: No, no, no. That's the only game. It literally has an asterisk under the number. And it says, <laughs> does not include Japanese sales. So I'm wondering why that's the case.
0: I wonder if that's maybe... I know that the the sales count... Um, I don't know. Authorities in Japan, I guess, have been really odd lately. Because it used to be some other organization counting sales of games in japan and now it's i think famitsu that does it so maybe there's like legal mm-hmm. rights or things like that getting in the way of providing accurate sales figures but then again they're nintendo themselves so i don't know why that would prohibit them from uh, mm-hmm. providing those numbers so that's really odd that
1: yeah, is very strange um, I, I i don't have any insight <laughs> to that I, I wish i did <laughs> uh well yeah but well, it's, it's sort of a sort of a baffling uh a baffling decision but hey hey listen yeah. they can they release whatever they want to release I guess so who knows
2: I mean the top 10 list overall of the best seller, it's there's no surprises on here you got Pokemon Ring Fit Adventure it's all the accessible all right, Ring, Ring Fit experiences. is surprising to me yeah. Ring
1: Fit's surprising to me to be honest um just cuz it's it is it's not that it's inaccessible but it is sort of an it's such a niche thing you mm-hmm. know well, I think because um, of
2: COVID, it was like, you know, everyone was, true. Working, you know, they were looking for a good alternative to just getting exercise. And I think that really boosted its sales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
0: it's especially interesting because I remember I was on on the podcast when Greenfoot Adventure was first announced and me, Rick and Patrick, we saw the initial trailer and we were just making fun of it the whole time because it's such an odd <laughs> concept. And the yeah. way they announced it was really like, I don't want to say creepy, but the presenters they had were very like still. <laughs> (laughs) awkward (laughs) being like introducing this new rpg fitness adventure game and it was just very unsettling (laughs) to watch but like you said covid i think played a huge role in it and just the fact that it was really well executed and the way that it took took, yeah took you know this traditional fitness gameplay like something you'd play with we fit and actually put it into a genuine fun role-playing game so it's a solid experiment for sure
1: no it's it's uh it's listen as someone who 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 was lucky enough to get a copy of Ringford adventure mm, yeah. one month before the covid nineteen pandemic became super widespread uh it, it it really helped me and my wife get through the the <laughs> pandemic <laughs> truthfully wow, um, yeah. so I don't know it's like it's it's again we're kind of getting a little bit off topic here but uh
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, I, I still think it's a little bit surprising that it's in the top ten, but uh, I guess it's not as surprising as I as I as I initially. You, you guys have sold me. Like, yeah, fair enough. Like, I guess it makes a, a certain amount of sense. Yeah, and um, Luigi's one... Mansion. Glad to see it on here. That's Absolutely. another one that I wanted to bring sure. up
2: because we should get more of those games. They're very good. Absolutely. <laughs> Even though I still haven't finished the final boss, I'll get to it. Don't worry. I mean, it's just too scary, though,
0: Mark. I understand. <laughs> Of course oh like
2: i said the polter pup was hard to get past now you know king boo and the the person who runs the mansion it's very difficult
0: like i said luigi's mansion has always been haunting me in my dreams since it was since i was a child the <laughs> ghosts are just too spooky for me um but speaking of other spooky things so this has nothing to do with being spooky but uh <laughs> on the sales numbers uh this isn't a surprise to see it on the top 10 but i suppose it actually is kind of spooky to think of how quickly animal crossing has caught up to mario kart 8 the fact I that mario kart 8 it. is you know the best-selling game on the system and it's been out For the switch not not quite since day one but a month after that but and meanwhile animal crossing has only been out for like a year and a half at this point and it's only like a few million short of mario kart 8 sales i just think that's incredible the speed the trajectory that animal crossing has had in such a short time it exemplifies the COVID effect for sure but it's also just a really solid game as well so it's a really
1: neat figure Mm -hmm. to see yeah it's uh it's always amazing to see someone not someone to see a a game like rocket to the top like that. You know, even like even if it's again, it's entirely understandable. Like as you just said, the COVID effect, like of course, and it just became such a cultural phenomenon. But it is interesting to see it just sort of like Like it's been, you know, a year and a half and it's and it's where it is where it is. Very incredible.
2: Was that your impression of the Yoshi noise from the SNES? <laughs> <laughs> uh sure.
1: Ba-dam. Uh so yeah. Anyway, let's 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 uh let's wrap up this this little Nintendo earnings call discussion. I'm sure we'll talk more about this in the next couple of months as they have more of these earnings calls. Always a, always interesting to check in. So we're going to take a quick break, come back and talk more about Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack, which we've all been messing around with. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. And we're back. So uh, everybody, when we were taking our break, was making fun of me for my, my Yoshi sound effect, uh, which is appropriate because I've been playing a little Yoshi story on the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack. I think I'm saying that right. Is It's Expansion Pack, right? It is indeed a callback yes. to the N64
0: expansion. Well, pack. and I
1: was thinking about this because it was not called the expansion pack. It was called the expansion pack with just a K, as opposed to the expansion pack, which is P A C K. Oh. Uh, which is a hilarious omission to me. I don't know why it is called that. Because uh, but I'll take removing it. letters is edgy and cool for the kids. Well, it's so. It's, I like, guess. What, a, it's, what a missed opportunity to just call it the expansion pack with a K. Like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just, it's hilarious. I mean, yeah, but also Um,
0: have a lot of nerdy 12 year olds who don't actually know about the N64 being like, um, it's actually spelled with a C before K. So, (laughs) (laughs) they got to
1: mitigate that risk. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. We got, yeah, we must protect ourselves from the, from the edgy teens. That's what I tell myself every day before I go outside. Um, (laughs) Campbell, I think I should have called
2: it Stop and Swap. Stop swap.
1: <laughs> Well, I thought it was going to be – for every time I've tried to like write about it this last week, I keep calling it to call it the Expansion Pass, which yeah, is not what it here. is. Yeah, same here. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny – I have to remind myself. No, Expansion Pack. Um, so, yeah. So, I've been messing around with this for the last week. Uh, I was able to uh, – Mark was able to procure uh, a review code for me. Um, I don't know if we could say that, Mark. Can we say that on the podcast? I right, think we can. Maybe. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> so Mark, it was it pro- Mark was able to uh, procure a, a review—I don't know—review code uh, for, for for me to talk about to do coverage on the expansion pack. And so uh, I spent the last week kind of just messing around with with games from my childhood, and it's been a fucking delight to be honest. Um, Yoshi's Story. Uh, have you guys played this at all? It's good, yeah, man. Not, it's it's no. a little it's it's a little too easy. I don't know if you played Yoshi's <laughs> Island. Uh, mm-hmm. Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island from the Nintendo mm-hmm. Super Nintendo days. So it's 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 not as difficult as the old game, the old I don't know, the old Yoshi's games. It's a little on the easier side. It's definitely like this is a kids game, but it's so charming, it's so delightful. The theme song is is a is a classic. It's very cute. Um mm-hmm. there's different colors of Yoshis to unlock. Like what what more could you want in a <laughs> in a Nintendo 64 <laughs> game. Yoshi game. Mhm. It's it's just a it, honestly the save states are are a are a godsend like I love being able to just like click this game off without having to like okay I got to beat the level first like you can just turn it off like what a concept um it's great it's a, it's a great way to kill an afternoon or two and there's like secrets to do like I, eh, listen we can't we can't spend a ton of time relitigating why Yoshi's story is uh is a is, a, is no, a good game. Let's do it. It's a okay, good game. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. So uh <laughs> no listen, from from the from the music to the graphics, it's fun. I've I've been very much enjoying it. I, I remember playing this game when I was like I don't know, like ten or twelve or something, and it's it is a a flood of nostalgia for sure. I I will say uh okay we'll come around it. we'll come around to this. I've also been playing Star Fox 64 and I've been playing yeah, Super Mario 64 as well. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and a, a, a hidden gem of a game that I had never experienced called Sin and Punishment. Mm. A, uh, a kind of on-rails shooter, 3D shooter action game. Very, very trippy. It's a... I'd never played this game because it was unreleased in the West up until 2007. It was a Japan-only exclusive on the N64. Became kind of a niche, cult classic hit for people who love to import cartridges. So it became kind of this like, this black market like, oh, have you heard of *Sin and Punishment*? It became sort of this this very hard to find game in the U.S. for a pretty long time. But it became enough of a cult classic that Nintendo was like, all right, we'll release it on the Wii Virtual Console, and it did well enough on the Virtual Console to warrant a sequel in 2009. Like, I had no idea about any of this. Uh, if you, if you look at, uh, list of, like, you know, essential Nintendo 64 games, uh, Rick edited this list for the website, and Sin of Punishment is on there as, like, a, hey, this is kind of a hidden gem, and I, I, I can't confirm, having played it over the weekend, yeah, it's a hidden gem, it's really good, <laughs> uh, very arcade style, on rail shooter, it's, it's pretty hard. I was surprised by how difficult mm-hmm. it was, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's got difficulty options. And again, putting it on the Switch, like, you don't have to beat it all in one go. You can just kind of put save states in there if you want to. Um, or not, uh, is safe states, is that the right, the right yeah, term? Yeah, you can call it save states. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, you know, if, if you're having a particularly good run, you got lots of credits, you can, you can kind of roll back to that safe state. It doesn't have the rewind feature uh, like some of these older, older games do. Oh really? Uh, like if you go if you go on NES Online or Super NES Online, like I don't think that's a feature on the the S sixty four games. Unless I'm uh, am I crazy? No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Huh. Which is a which is a that's interesting a and it's an interesting omission. We we should circle back around to that. Um, so I don't know. That's what I've been playing. Star Fox sixty four is still a stone cold classic. It's it's the best Star Fox game. Sorry, yep. Star Fox Adventure is like, I don't know, like <laughs> was there ever really What's... competition? <laughs> was there yeah. ever Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, Star Fox 0 who. Um it's so freaking good. It's it's a it's just an unbelievably tight solid action experience even being however old it is at this point, you know, 20 years or however mm-hmm. old it is. Uh, it's just insanely good. I I I I think it's better than the 3DS version personally. Um and maybe that's just nostalgia talking but like I, I have a harder time getting through it on the 3DS versus the, the this is the uh like and maybe this is a good place to transition to talking about the Nintendo 64 controller which uh I've been fortunate enough oh, to snag yeah, a couple you got that. I was nice, I was nice. lucky enough to snag a couple of those the day they went on sale and uh I don't know man it's my preferred way to play like I I I think a lot of issues that people have with these Nintendo 64 games, are mitigated by having an original Nintendo 64 controller. And I don't know what that says about the games themselves, but, like, yeah, I've, I have no issue playing Mario 64. I have no issue playing Starfighter 64 because I got my OG N64-style Bluetooth controller, and it just <laughs> rules. I don't know, man. It's it's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, I
0: think that says more about Nintendo itself than it does about the games because I, I've mentioned this in passing before, but, like... I have the hardest time wrapping my head around the N64 control scheme on Switch. Like, the fact that you have to hold down ZR to turn X and Y into the (laughs) yellow arrow (laughs) buttons. Like, it is absolutely mind-boggling especially when playing something like star fox where you see you know do a barrel you know push up but like you you have to it doesn't mentally register that i have to also hold down you know a a shoulder button to make that happen like it's so weird that your brain has to switch off to be like oh wait no these buttons have turned Mm -hmm. into these other buttons now which is so strange because i feel like the d-pad could serve that exact same purpose, you know, and it's not really used in these conversions. And the fact that you can't really adjust the way the N64 controls are converted over to Switch, is just really odd to me. So, you know, if it's ever possible, I would love to try them out with the N64 controller
1: because that would just yeah. remove
0: so much hassle from it. Well, I can totally imagine.
1: It's, it's uh, I mean, listen, uh, we, we've talked a lot about like, what should things cost? Fifty dollars for a Bluetooth controller is ridiculous. Like let's 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 be very clear. Plus yeah. shipping or whatever it is. Like the service
0: itself is fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah,
1: the service itself is already fifty dollars a year. So to get like to spend an additional fifty or if you want you know if you want to play multiplayer games, uh couch co op, like upwards of a hundred or two hundred dollars if you're trying to get a full set of four, which I did not do to be to be clear. I, I got I, I was lucky enough to get two and I'm like I'm two is plenty, like I'm good. But uh mm-hmm. As the rest I, of us
2: are waiting until 2022.
1: To get yeah, one. sadly, it's. it's <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's. I. I don't. I don't know. It's like. It's very cool to play these games on the controller they were meant to be played on. Like I, I'm. I feel lucky that I. I. I truthfully, I haven't even attempted. To play to to remap the controls, I'm like I'm just not I'm not going to do that. Um, I mean, you can't remap the controls. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. uh, to, to, uh, not not remap like like adjust to right. the controls. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't attempted any of these games in handheld mode I except for the don't the, do I played it. I the Genesis. Just don't do it. <laughs> I played the Genesis stuff in handheld mode, but I'm like uh, I as much as I would love to play Ocarina of Time on my Switch in bed, I'm not going to do that <laughs> because the muscle memory is. You know, however, however many years I spent as a kid with an N64, my hands molded to that weird tri, tri uh, pronged shape. Like that's that's what I that's what my hands naturally do now. So I can't I can't like rewire <laughs> my brain to, to figure out these new controls. Uh, well, speaking which of, s- I've yeah, been playing
2: Zelda, and I have yeah, to please. say
1: I'm really liking it
2: so far. Great. Except there's just one Excellent. problem. Uh-oh. i cannot get adjusted to these like the controls the menus mm-hmm. the way it works i'm i just can't like yeah. every time i end up clicking the wrong button or something and then it, yeah like, back out of the menu i have to go back in then i have to fix something and then i accidentally move the slingshot to somewhere i don't and that uh, that's my one big issue with it yeah. but then i don't know if that's an ocarina of time issue because all the other games i played i played mario 64 i ended up collecting like 20 stars in like a sitting. Didn't have a single problem, you know. I mean, yeah, I think that's I,
0: probably more of a Ocarina of Time issue because of how much it uses all the different buttons and control schemes, particular to the N sixty four. Well, know? I was gonna say, do,
1: do yeah. you guys know how do you guys know how this game was set up on the N sixty four? Well, you can see because
2: yes. you know the button place. Yeah, that's yeah, still well, sure. UI, but, I'm saying, yes. but like, <laughs> let me
1: let me let me break it down for you. Okay, so the <laughs> Z, obviously the Z button was the that was the big deal for for Ocarina of Time because Miyamoto was like. How do we how do we put Link in a 3D space? How do we do it? Oh, we'll invent. He invented this Z targeting, like that's that's Miyamoto. He came up with that shit. He's a fucking genius. Uh, So a lot of the time when you're playing, you're tapping that Z button with your the the trigger. You know the the Z acted as a trigger on the N64 controller uh, with your index finger on your left hand. So that's like that's how you're that's how you're targeting your enemies. You know that would normally be like. Like what? Like L2 or ZL, I guess that's where your finger would be. So, th- so yeah, that's how you're, that's how you're targeting enemies. Uh, the B button, where your thumb is, that's your that's your sword. Um, A button is like contextual action. So that's your dodge. That's your roll. That's your talk button. Uh, and then the C buttons, those yellow buttons in the on the upper right, left C, down C, and right C. Those are your three items, and you can you can remap those however you like. And then up C was first person view. So that's and then R was shield. Uh, so that's kind of, I, I can't imagine trying to remap that, or not remap it, but but re, to do do that with a different control scheme. Like, it was hard enough on the GameCube. Like, they brought Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask to the GameCube via a special collector's edition disc. I don't know if either of you guys have that. Uh, I have it. have it. You do have it? Awesome. It's my brother. So yeah, so <laughs> I don't, did, did you mess around with Zelda on that on the GameCube controller? Um, I don't think
2: I've actually ever touched it. I've watched oh, him play it, but okay. So, so yeah, I, would, I don't know. I don't like, think I've you, ever. If tried you it. have
1: the, if you have the time and the energy, and you got nothing better to do for like a couple hours, pop in Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask, and and just kind of get a sense of what it feels like to play it with a GameCube controller, because mm. the GameCube did a decent job of translating the N sixty four control scheme. To the, to the GameCube controller. As weird as the GameCube controller is, uh, mm-hmm. it, it did a, a decent job. I, I would argue better than what the Switch has attempted to do with the N64 control scheme. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, well, for what it's worth, when I played Ocarina of Time for the first time on the Wii Virtual Console, I played yeah. it with a GameCube controller, and huh. the control scheme there worked fantastic, honestly. Yeah, sure. Like, there were a few adjustments you had to make, but it was easy enough to figure out that, you know, the yellow... I, Yellow arrows is what I'm calling them. Uh, the C, the the C, C button. Thank buttons. you. Thank yeah. you. But the fact that it was easy to realize that, oh, that maps to the C stick because it's yeah. yellow. You know, like it didn't, really take, <laughs> it didn't really take these kind of leaps of you know, cognition to figure out that you have to hold down this button to turn these buttons into the, the C arrow buttons and all that kind of stuff. You know, it worked for what it was. And to this day, it's still how I feel most comfortable playing
1: N64 games as weird as that might be. So That's funny. yeah, it's a no, really I guess solid way to play them. No, I, guess at the end, I guess at the end of the day, it does come down to like muscle memory and, and how you grew up. Like, I hate to say it like it's funny. So this is maybe a good place to transition to talking about uh, Genesis games. So I, I never had a Genesis growing up. I like I make I've made this joke before, but I feel like nobody actually had a Genesis growing up. We all just knew somebody who had one. You know, it was always like somebody's cousin has a Genesis or something like that. You know, oh my neighbor's got one. But it's like like who where's the who who actually owns one of these? So to me, the Genesis controller with the the there's a control pad and then the three buttons or the six buttons if you're nasty. And I, I never had one of those, so I never got used to that. I'm, I'm like, you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm, I'm holding my hands in front of my face right now being like, how would you even hold one of those? Uh, I didn't spring for the Bluetooth versions of the Genesis controllers for this expansion pack. I'm wondering if I should try to grab one just to be like, well, let's let's see what it feels like to play one of these with the original controls. Like I don't know. So far, I've had no issues playing any of these games with the Switch controller either the pro or the handheld like mm-hmm. i don't know campbell any any issues there what do you think
0: yeah no i think if the genesis perfectly translates to the switch controls and really it's always perfectly translated to any modern controller in a way yeah. because it didn't have all the weird idiosyncrasies of something like the n64 yeah um it's always worked fine and especially considering the fact that i don't think many games at all actually used you know all six face buttons right uh, for that expanded controller so um it's been working totally fine for For me um and i've never actually played a genesis game with the genesis controller though so i have been tempted to you know try and seek out one of those bluetooth controllers for the switch just to actually give it a shot but i've become so accustomed to playing these games which i've played many times before in the various genesis collections that have come out over the years i'm so accustomed to playing them either on my keyboard or on my ds or you know xbox controller whatever um that it would be so, so surreal in a way to actually play them the way they're meant to. But again, they I mean, really the, they adapt
1: the, I, perfectly to any other uh, pad, in my view. I I totally agree with you. I think we could put "meant to" in quotes because, like, at the end <laughs> right. of the day, you know, you could be like. You could still play these games without them. You know what I mean?
0: It's not like they were, developers were consciously like, this game appeared to me in a dream, and this dream can only be fulfilled with the Genesis controller. You know, it was more like they <laughs> right, were developing exactly. a game for the Genesis, that's the controller they had. You know, so you're totally yes. right. Men 2 isn't like this gold standard but even then you know when i played super nintendo games on the super nes mini uh with the super nintendo controller
1: for the first time that was a cool moment so i'd love to replicate that with the genesis at some point yeah it, it does it does make a difference but again and again this not to keep talking about pricing this genesis control pad $50. Fifty dollars. Yeah, I know like, it's not worth it. What the hell? It, 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 it's like I don't know, man. It makes it makes no sense. The, like, the okay, Super but th-
0: consider this though: the Genesis Classics Collection on Switch, which many people have already pointed out, is cheaper than the online expansion pack. Is like yeah. thirty bucks, and it often yeah. goes on sale for ten often. or five bucks all yeah. the time. I mean, the emulation in that collection sucks. You know, we'll probably get to that in a little bit, but um, you know, the <laughs> fact that you can get all these games for a fraction of the price of the controller—it's nuts. Yeah.
1: Absolutely it's, nuts. It's one of those things where if if you think about it for more than five seconds, it's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like and, and it I, is. But I, there's one thing,
2: Cameron. There's one thing—the controller quality, like just Nintendo's product quality as a whole. Sure. It's always so premium with physical products, except for yeah. the joy comes. Like the fact. <laughs> Well maybe not the trick Like ooh, That's okay oh that boy. one Yeah, that one's fair. Um, my but, two uh, dead yeah. Joy Cons like, are crying in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same. But um like the GameCube controller. I, I still mm, have yeah. one from my yeah. childhood. All sure. of them still work perfectly. They still not a button has a problem, you know? Oh, the quality well, listen, of it still I've, holds up completely for me.
1: I've I've ruined my share of GameCube controllers over the years. Uh, I think I wrecked just again. A lot of Smash Brothers melee. <laughs> um, <laughs> I erected at least two or three of those things. So like, listen, they they do wear down, but only after very <laughs> very hard use over many many years. So yeah, so many like in many, general, many, yeah. in general, the quality of that kind of stuff is pretty good. I'm curious how these Bluetooth controllers will hold up, given the nature of the Joy Cons. But I, I have a feeling that my my N64 controllers will last a good long time. And again, I was lucky enough to I grab the... I think so, too. Yeah, yeah I, I have a feeling there. Even, even though the Nintendo 64 control stick is notoriously terrible. Like, I don't know if you guys have heard any stories about those. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Because it yeah. was one of the... It was pretty much the first... Well, one of the first analog sticks to ever be developed. And uh, it's i don't know especially with people destroying them with the original mario party and stuff party i was literally
2: just thinking about yeah. that tug of war and they brought it back in the new one and there's a specific yeah. warning not to use your palm on the analog extremely stick.
1: extremely funny generations which is funny because when i played it yeah when
2: i played it with friends we literally all looked at each other and immediately put our palms on the analog yep. stick oh yeah <laughs>
0: yeah you Very rebellious funny. kids of the
2: joy cons no
1: less <laughs> <laughs> oh boy that would yeah that's that's a <laughs> surefire way to destroy this uh so but campbell what, what genesis games have you been playing I, i've been dipping like lightly lightly dipping a finger into the uh into the well of of genesis games because again i have no nostalgia for any of these so it's, so right. my experience is kind of like oh what do we got here like what, what have you been playing
0: I've been playing a fair selection of everything that's available in the collection. The, the game I've put the most time into at this point is Gunstar Heroes, and yes, as I've alluded, you know, earlier, I have the Genesis collection, but the emulation sucks in that collection, especially for fast-paced action games. So I tried to play Gunstar Heroes in that collection, but it was there was such input lag that it was near impossible to play. Oh. So it's you know the emulation in the expansion pack versions of these games is excellent it's you know it's rock solid performance it's pristine it's smooth and playing gunstar heroes or any of the other many other action games that are available in the selection they feel excellent and i've played Almost all of Gunstar Heroes at this point, you know, uh, you were talking about how great Sin and Punishment is, this was developed also by Treasure, the same developers, and it really has a lot of those same hallmarks of these incredible set pieces. It was a technical showcase for the Genesis at the time, and even today... mixture of this really detailed sprite work this character who looks like he came straight out of some sort of old-fashioned disney cartoon you know kind of transposed against these early attempts at like 3d polygons and shapes and stuff moving around in the backgrounds there's one character one boss that you face early on that's like this 3d blocky character that's like turning and twisting in front of you and moving around the stage it's really a showcase throughout there's even one like boss fight that goes through eight separate phases in the second level. It's just this nonstop adrenaline, really. Even today, it's an excellent, excellent run-and-gun action game. You know, in my view, it's even better than Contra, which is often, you know, Contra 3, which is often held up as a gold standard. But I find Contra 3 to be just kind of arbitrarily frustrating a lot of the time whereas gunstar heroes has this excellent level of both you know being forgiving because you have an actual health meter you know you don't just take one hit and die and you have unlimited oh, right. continues as well and it has a similar level of spectacle to it so i've really enjoyed dipping into that um i've been playing streets of rage streets of rage 2 quite a bit as Wait, well Wait, one,
2: one second Campbell. yes you hating on contra is just perfect i yeah, just want you to know, I know. I know. Now, here's it's the thing. It's very consistent. It's I am consistent with cables <laughs> well, as a person, Yeah. Yes, exactly.
0: I, I solely exist to hate Contra and all things Konami. <laughs> but you see, okay, just to set the record straight, I recognize that Contra 3 is an excellent game. I just think that (laughs) Gunstar Heroes is an even more excellent game. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, nothing can really match Let's Attack Aggressively, but um, Gunstar Heroes is still excellent in its own right, for sure. Um, And aside from that, you know, Streets of Rage 2, that doesn't really need to be elaborated on. Greatest beat-em-up of all time. Stone Cold classic, greatest soundtrack of all time as well. If you're not going to play the game, at least listen to the music. It's, you know, fantastic house stuff. Um, And one that I've been playing quite a bit that I, I don't believe was on the Genesis Classics collection is Musha. Uh, which is a top-down shoot-'em-up. Oh, Uh, I was wondering
1: about that. I I scrolled past that a couple times. I was like, what is this? Yeah, it's (laughs) just a
0: good old-fashioned shmup, but it's really, really good. The music is excellent. There's so much action, so much going on at once. The power-ups are great. Um, I don't really know how to describe it because there's so much chaos in it as you know, shmups are wont to have, but it's just the visuals are great for a Genesis game. So much going on both on like, it has this great, uh, I guess double level view, you know, where you have like what's going on on top with your the player playing perhaps, and then you have the backgrounds over it that are moving around. It's just really, um, quite a spectacle to play through. So, those are the games I've been playing through the most. Um, nice. I've been playing to dip into fantasy Star 4 again and maybe Shining Force because those are two excellent um rpgs on the platform as well which i think deserve a special shout out because the super nintendo often gets all the credit for being the jrpg platform of of that generation which it totally Mm -hmm. deserves but the genesis definitely wasn't left out of the conversation as well it had some great titles of its own as well
1: right i uh that's a great point campbell the super nintendo had has just so many like you know, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, like you know, Mario RPG, like obviously everybody talks about the Super Nintendo, but yeah, it's it's worth pointing out that like, hey, there's there's some great legacy stuff on the Genesis as well. I I just mm-hmm. started Fantasy Star last night. Uh, haven't even made it through the intro yet, but I'm already like, ooh, I'm I'm intrigued. Like, what's yep. what do we got going on? So I don't know. I, I'll uh, I hope I can find the time. You know, <laughs> hope I can find the time for a massive JRPG. <laughs> but I, I I'm intrigued to do so. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, if it's I any haven't comfort had any time
2: to touch these games, well, no, you yeah. should touch
0: them. And if it's any comfort as well, <laughs> Fantasy Star Four is relatively short as RPGs go. It's like I remember being it in about sixteen hours, I want to say. Um, so it's not it's not like Final Fantasy Six, where it takes fifty hours to play through it. Uh, it's a pretty brisk time. Um, mm, really music, holds music really holds ears. up. And one fun fact is, as we were mentioning, you know, the Super Nintendo was absolutely trouncing uh, the, the Genesis in terms of RPGs, and especially in Japan, where the Genesis was just not charting. Fantasy Star 4, Shining Force, and RPGs like that were part of an initiative from Sega. It was called the RPG Project, I believe, or the Sega Project. To create more JRPGs to try and reinvigorate the interest in the Genesis in the Japanese market, which is kind of a narrative that you don't see all the time because the Genesis was just so strongly associated with North America. Um, so seeing these games in the expansion pack is a really neat bit of history as well when you look into it a bit more.
1: I think that's my my one not not even a, I can't even call it a frustration because like there's no precedent for it. I wish there was some kind of like way to to kind of put these games in a context like within mm, the service yeah. of the expansion pack. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I don't know. Like, I love that each game does have a little a little like back of the box blurb on it. You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think yep. that's that's kind of cool. Like, if you click on like title information or whatever whatever it is, mm-hmm. you get a little like here is here's what this game is, like, as if you were reading the first page of the manual or something like that. Hmm. But I don't know, I wish there was, I don't know, some, some kind of extra something. And again, Nintendo has never done this in any of their other online services, so there's no precedent for it. But, like, it would be great to be like, hey, here's the impact of Ocarina of Time. Like, here's, right, why, yeah. here's why Sin and Punishment is such a big deal, like, why it's here. Like, I don't know, something, something like that would be very cool.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, and you know it's not unprecedented as well. So many other collections of classic games have had a museum section. You know what comes no, to no, no, mind, no. C- right? Cable, yeah,
1: you're missing. I'm saying it's pre- unprecedented for Nintendo. Even no, even Nintendo has done
0: it before too. I'm thinking of the Kirby Collection um, back on the Wii, which yes. had a lengthy <laughs> gallery. You know, um, did
2: you know Barack Obama became the president in two thousand eight? No, Kurtz. I didn't, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it what? says it in there. I'm very oh my serious. God.
0: See, if we had it's that, that kind of trivia, blind. if they have a trivia in the expansion pack but when did Joe Biden become president, you know, like, that would be excellent. <laughs> so,
1: I, I would love to know, please. please tell If anyone knows, please tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, listen, I think the service caught a lot of flack you know, two or three weeks ago when it came out, there was there was that issue with the the lag, input lag, the the graphical fidelity of some of these titles. I think there's some stuff that clearly needs to be worked on, but I, I've, I'm pretty I don't know I'm pretty warm on this service as a whole. I I won't be warm until Banjo Kazooie makes it. That's fair. Yeah, I'm after that. Thumbs up from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh again, not surprised, but I'm waiting with bated breath to see what kind of stuff gets announced in the next, you know, weeks or months. They've got to let they've got to drop something for like Black Friday or Christmas, right? Like they have to. Like they'll oh, be crazy be a for Christmas the... game, no doubt. It's got to be. be it's got to be. Yeah. It's uh, gotta be. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? So I don't know. I'm I'm withholding judgment. Um I, so far, I'm enjoying it. I, I I very much am curious to see, you know, as as we get more stuff in the service, like what what else there is to say. I, I, we we do have to talk about Animal Crossing expansion stuff. Like but let's let's I was save about that to say one more. Let's thing save that. Let's we, save uh, that discussion for another time because I, mm-hmm. I I Mark I know you've been digging into it yes. and really enjoying it. And I want there wanna was something else thoughts. I had
2: to say about Animal Crossing. It was on please, the Nintendo sixty four. That would be a massive loss if we didn't get that here. Like, I have a feeling Japan will Mm -hmm. eventually get that on their online service with their Mm -hmm. exclusives. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who could say? Who could say? It would be great. (laughs) It would be cool to get more Japan exclusives. Uh, The Sin and Punishment, I think, sets a... Standard. A a, a good standard. You know, it's putting us on the right path, so hopefully we get some more of those like weird, obscure Mm -hmm. games. Who knows? It's like, the Nintendo 64 library is comparatively to other systems, not very deep. So hopefully we can get some of these deep cuts in here uh, as the service, you know, grows. That said, let's 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 table this discussion of Animal Crossing for another future podcast and we'll take a quick break. Campbell's got an indie spotlight for us, so stay tuned. Let's, Cameron, uh, <laughs> let's 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 talk Toonche. I I played a demo of this game about a year ago mm-hmm. yep. on Steam, and I enjoy what I played of it. I did find it to be a little bit on the rough side. It was it was a demo build. This is like mm-hmm. one of the first iterations of a playable version of the game. But you've been playing the fully released version out on Switch recently. What's what are what are your what are your thoughts? It's most certainly good. One might say that Tunche
0: packs a punch, uh, funnily Mm. enough, for a beat-em-up. And it's certainly in a much more polished state than it was when you first demoed it. Although there are still a few rough edges, which we'll we'll get to that in a moment. But to start things out on a more positive note, Tunche is just this lovely little beat-em-up. It's set in the Amazonian rainforest. Um, It follows a, a bunch of different travelers who are on this journey into the jungle all you know there's a bunch of different characters randomly including Hat Kid for some reason. It's kind of explained later on, but you know, she just shows up with no explanation at the start of the game. It's Incredible. a brilliant crossover, indeed, indeed. But you're just a, a group of travelers going through the jungle trying to find your way to this mythical being called Tunche, and your band of characters includes figures as diverse as this traveling minstrel named Pancho, um this kid who's been cursed with wings for arms, um and a bunch of few other characters as well. It's really a bunch and each character has their own movesets and all that kind of stuff it plays out in a roguelike style so it's a kind of kind of thing where you start at the beginning with every run a little bit randomized each time in terms of the enemies you meet, the environments, these the specific rooms that you go through. But what you have every single time is you start at a campfire, You maybe you talk to a merchant, you get some upgrades, you learn a little lore, you talk to this old woman who transla- uh, transports you to the entrance to the uh, the path to Tunche's domain, and then you start journeying on your way through there. You fight a bunch of enemies, simple combos. If you ever played something like Streets of Rage or any other beat-em-up, you know exactly Exactly what to expect with the gameplay loop here simple one two button combos eventually does get a little more complex because there is a character progression system but you just keep on blitzing it through with these simple combos fight enemies that you know a lot of them are just your standard they'll stand there and punch you eventually fair but some are a little more interesting you have uh, enemies that range from like giant toads to these like birds that fly around, there's spider monkeys that come out of the blue, exploding boars for some reason. Uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on throughout that. Um, and eventually, just like any any good old roguelike, it'll take you a long time to actually get your way to the end of, of the game. There are four distinct areas in most runs up until the very end I could only get through the first one or two of them. But, you know, it does have a progression system, and so each time that you fail, you get a bunch of upgrades, and you get a bunch of skill points and experience points that can be used to gain new combos, new abilities, and On the one hand i i gotta say i feel a little torn about this system because it adds a level of complexity to a beat-em-up which i feel is a little antithetical to the whole gameplay loop of the genre where it's just about blitzing through ranking up a high score trying your best with each run you know it means that when you start out a run with a character you're starting from point a with no upgrades and then eventually you know you have to individually upgrade each character the exp you get with one character doesn't carry over to any others so it means that if you have to transition to one character you know you have a lot of grinding to do to catch up but once you do find a character you really groove with it's remarkably solid it's just good old-fashioned beat-em-up fun uh and i was really enjoying myself throughout it um it does lack a little bit in variety at times it feels maybe a, a little bit like uh criticizing a platformer for having too much jumping to criticize a beat-em-up for repeating too much and to beat them up for not having a, enough variety you know but um you will end up encountering many of the same areas many of the same enemies even if the they're slightly randomized you still get the same general set of enemies and environments settings don't really change all that much like you know a little unfair to compare it to streets of rage perhaps but in streets of rage you have in the first few levels you're going through bars you're going through streets you're going through you know a You're jumping onto trucks, you're on the highway, there's all these different scenarios happening. Meanwhile in Tunche, for the most part, you're just going through the same empty jungle with no environmental interactions or variations, really. So in the later later runs, it can get a little bit dragged down by that lack of variety. But in the end, I think it's totally held up by the rock-solid gameplay loop and just the cool setting that it has as well you know it's really worth celebrating the fact that this is a game that celebrates and that focuses on indigenous amazonian cultures you know each character that you play as has their own story arc that is provided through comics and stories that you encounter through each run so you know whenever you encounter a new area for the first time as a certain area a certain character you will learn a little more of their story and it's really neat to see how these stories you know they're definitely not masterworks of narrative or anything to that effect but they have a lot of cool creatures a lot of cool factors and um, representations of these indigenous uh, cultures you know about dynamics in the villages and family dynamics and mythologies and all that kind of stuff so it is really neat for that reason to play through a game that celebrates these perspectives and these backgrounds and when you combine that with the fact that the game has this really lovely uh, hand-drawn animated aesthetic. It's just a delight to behold and to experience as you get further and further into it. So all told, you know, maybe some rough edges around there. I'll also add that like my game did crash and have some bugs a few times throughout right. my playthrough. Well, it's especially it's... especially frustrating because, you know, uh at one point it crashed right when it, right when it was transitioning between rooms, so I ended up losing a lot of progress. Um I oh. know, uh, but you know, this I this didn't happen a lot, you know. So well, for the I most think part it's, it's very saying
1: This game just came out, so like like, there would be some patches. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like, it's bound to happen. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. You know, give give it a week or two. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll probably, probably iron out some of those little issues. I, I will say, I, I agree with you about the uh, the distinctive art style really did strike me when I was playing the demo. And the demo was, uh, again, like, pretty rough technically, mm-hmm. but visually looked very, very stunning. Like, I, I, the character models are awesome. The, mm-hmm. the general beauty of the environments and and uh and enemy designs are all like really distinctive and cool Mm Uh, so that is I'm glad that that uh, you know continues to be the case in the full game So that, that's
0: absolutely great. yeah the animations are so fluid and the performance is you know for the most part really solid I think 60 frames a second although I'm not super technically astute to count that out but it looks great you know barring a handful of stutters and slowdowns which is to be expected but whenever you have a game that has so much graphically going on at once with all these different character models and enemies and animations playing all at the same time you know it's very much an achievement to have that running so fluidly on the switch you know it looks great it plays great
1: love it Nice. Yeah, so it's tunche and that's uh it's actually on sale right now if you are interested in any of that uh it's on it's on the switch eShop shop and it is on sale for i want to say like 13 bucks something like that so that's that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of great um i don't know how long that sale is going on but uh you know it's good good always good to see that um i it's funny in my demo in my review of the demo i keep calling it a hack and slash which is not not the phrase i was looking for beat him up is the correct phrase hack and slash it's not exactly a hack and slash uh it's less diablo and as campbell said more streets of rage so i think if you're looking for a a better comparison that's that's the that's the comparison to make i think um Campbell, I imagine you're going to have something written on this pretty, pretty soon.
0: Yep, I've got an impressions piece, and the work will in the works will hopefully be up on the site by the time this goes live. So stay Great. tuned for that.
1: Lovely, lovely, cool, man. Uh, well, anything else we got to wrap up the show with? I think we've, I think we've done a podcast. I wrote about this game for
2: Nintendo Wire. It looks good. <laughs> <Concepts> <laughs> so, of interest, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's, that's all I got to say. Nice, that's nice, awesome.
1: Excellent. So keep an eye out for Campbell's piece. If you want to read like mm-hmm. my again from a year ago, my very early impressions of of Che. Actually, that might be a fun companion piece. Read read my very early impressions and then read Campbell's more more in depth impressions on the actually released product. Um, I'm sure that'll be kind of a fun a fun back to back. I've been your host Cameron Daxon. You can find some of my writing over on Goomba Stomp. My latest pieces are about Sin and Punishment, which I've been playing on the. Tend to switch online expansion pack and inscription, which I just absolutely loved. Uh, a, a game that is unfortunately not on Switch, but I imagine it will be. It's a devolver game, so those those generally tend to be ported to Switch at some point. So, so yeah, if you want to read some of that stuff, I'm on Twitter at ActionDaxon. And Mark, where can people find you
2: on the internet? You can find me at the Markel. That of course is Mark with the C, Cal with the K. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, Right now on the website, I have multiple articles up for Guardians of the Galaxy. I have the review piece about the comics. I got a piece about the ending. I can't talk about what is coming out Monday or Thursday. So stay tuned for
1: those. (laughs) That's so but
2: <laughs> in the meantime you can check out my review for mario party superstars very good game and i have a ranking for all the boards let me know what you think though is your favorite board i like horrorland the best i think that one's technically the best one when it comes to depth and all that stuff
1: but so weird yeah, how you always interested teaches birthday cake as horrorland very strange <laughs> uh, that's good. listen no accounting for taste uh, campbell where can people find you you can find me
0: on Twitter over at Skill, uppercase C-S-G, and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn if you want to start networking and you know building professional connections and all of that good garbage. Um, and if you want to find my games writing, you can see all of it over at Goombastomp.com. I've got uh, that impressions piece of Tunche coming out in the near future, as well as an indie game Spotlight, which will be up this weekend. We've got some great games to showcase this week as always, and uh, yeah, that's what I've got in the pipeline. I
1: love it. And of course, N-Express is also available. <laughs> we are also available on Twitter. or <laughs> at An express Nintendo. Whoa. And we are uh, able to listen to us on YouTube as well, at express Nintendo Podcast. And we, of course, are around to download on all the podcast platforms of your choice. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, etc., etc. Uh, rate and review us. Always good, more engagement helps more people uh, find the podcast, so that's always helpful. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.